Um, it's also St. Patrick's Day, which is pretty ironic because usually Patrick is the preacher, and on St. Patrick's Day, he's gone. He's not here. So, My um, name's Patrick, and I've just put on some white. Oh. <laughs> Apparently this is Patrick. No, this is actually my dad. This is Russ King. And for those of you that I don't know, my name is Lauren Schrader. I'm one of the student ministers here. And on uh, Sunday mornings here at 4th Avenue, we've been talking about spiritual disciplines. So we've talked about prayer and we've talked about study and meditation. And today we're going to talk about another spiritual discipline. A spiritual discipline that we might not usually recognize as a discipline. Some people just recognize it as a way of living life. But we're going to get into the spiritual discipline of encouragement. Years ago, my wife and I went downtown Nashville for an event called Rudolph's Red Nose Run. And we were there to cheer on my, one of my younger brothers who was running. And the people dressed up in all kinds of festive outfits. But there was, there was one person in particular that caught my mind. She was a mature woman. She was small in stature. And, and I was so impressed by that. And if you know anything about runners, they'll wear a number... Uh, on their shirt to indicate who they are. And along came this lady. And I said, you go, number 266, you go. And she was moving kind of slowly, and she got beside me, and she looked and smiled. She didn't stop, and she said, thank you. You don't know how much I needed that. And I've thought about that lady ever since then, because we all need encouragement from time to time. And the reality is that there are any number of people here today that it, it took all you could do to put one foot in front of the other, to put on a smile and come in through the door. And so you know the power and the importance of encouragement. God himself encourages us, his children, and he does it in various ways. Uh, one, of course, is his word of encouragement. Uh, most clearly, his son, the way, uh, as was mentioned by Dean a few moments ago, the way, the truth, and the life. But God also encourages us through one another. Absolutely. He definitely encourages us from his other children. And everyone needs encouragement. Like, you might be a type of person that's like, words of affirmation not my thing. Like, it makes me uncomfortable. Please don't compliment me. Um, which is fine, but there are all moments when we need to be encouraged. Um, in Scripture, when we think about encouragement, someone that comes to mind is Joseph, which... Not like Technicolor Dreamcoat Joseph, but someone that's known much better by his nickname. We can become known by nicknames. This is like a common thing. My first summer here, actually, we were at Naoti. It was summer 2015. And I was still learning. I had only been the youth minister for like not even a month yet. And I was still learning students' names. So I'm in this whole like trying to learn names. There's like five Hannahs and ten Emilys. And like, okay, so like call someone Hannah or Emily, you're fine. But I'm running through names and trying to figure out faces and names. And... One of the older students says, um, nice catch, Smiley. And I was like, Smiley, okay, that's a name I can remember. Who's that? Um, and I was like, which, which one is Smiley? And this older student said, Lauren, the one with a smile plastered across his face as he's running across the field. And I look down, and this kid's like, it's just like, it's hot. We're in Alabama. Which, oh, and like, it's, we're sweating. And I'm like, oh, Smiley, of course, naturally. And so I, we all call him Smiley. So confession, he's not here today, he's at the beach for spring break, but like if you do listen to this at some point, Jackson Burris, I did not know your name for the first four months of being at this church because everyone called him Smiley. And still to this day, there will be students, recently Cam Webb is like, oh, is Jackson going on that? And I was like, Jackson? Like we don't have a Jackson in the youth group, who's Jack? Oh, Smiley, yes, like Smiley will be there, absolutely he's coming. But there's times when if you have a trait 
and you really wear that trait often, that you can become known by that trait. Maybe even to the point for Jackson where it becomes like your name. But you can become known by a nickname. And so we're going to turn to Acts 4, verse 36, where this verse, it has parentheses, which usually run over and it might not seem that important. But this is the beginning of our lesson today because someone being known by their nickname makes so much more sense for the rest of this story. Acts 4, verse 36. So Joseph, not Technicolor Dreamcoat Joseph. So Joseph, who was called Barnabas by the apostles, which means son of encouragement. Let's back up to verse 32 and get the context here. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, those who owned lands or homes sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. I love reading about my spiritual ancestors. The longer I live, the more history is important to me. I've lived some of it. I've made some of it. And I think about my parents and my grandparents. And to read about my spiritual ancestry is a blessing to me. I love those people, those men and women of faith, who had great sacrifice in ways that perhaps we don't. Sometimes we think that they were all poor. That's not the case. For there were some that had lands and houses and they sold it. And they brought it so that it could be distributed to those in need. I'm, I'm reminded of your ministry here with Franktown and your encouragement through the years to others. And so they, they bring that and it's distributed. But there's one guy in particular that's mentioned out of all of the people that did that. And that was Joseph. He's described as a Levite. We even know where he was from. But the apostles called him, in a way, Smiley. <laughs> hey, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And that speaks volumes. I've loved through the years that this man of God was given the nickname son of encouragement. Barnabas isn't someone that you necessarily like dress up as for like favorite Bible character day or this isn't someone that even if you're looking at like names to name your new son from the Bible you're not going to go with like Barnabas like yes that's my favorite um, and we really don't even talk about him that much in our in our children's stories or he's not mentioned in the fathers of faith in Hebrews but he had such a major impact on our church then and even now today in fact, like one of the greatest Christians in all of history and someone's writings that we refer to often, that we read about often, that we study often, and that we base even a lot of our church service off of today, it was all directly impacted by Mr. Encourager himself, Barnabas. And this person that I'm talking about is the Apostle Paul. But before Paul was known as Paul, he was called Saul. And he was a persecutor of Christians. 
He went from town to town taking people that proclaimed faith in Jesus and having them imprisoned and in some instances put to death. He was on the way to do that very thing when the Lord Jesus appeared to him in a bright light and blinded him. He had a life-altering encounter with Jesus. And from that point forward became sold out 100% to the Lord. Gave his life in a powerful way. Well, he wanted to join other believers with this newfound faith. But he was not so easily received. The people were very apprehensive. In fact, they were afraid. And if you really stop and think about that, it makes sense. I don't think it's too far stretched. Uh, and I don't think it's... Uh, making too big a statement to say that in many ways Saul was in their eyes a terrorist. They had heard of his imprisonment of other believers and the killing of others and it's possible that some of them had even had family or friends that this man Saul had had a part in their demise. And now here he is in the middle of them proclaiming to be a follower of Jesus. How did they know that that wasn't some ploy to find out who else was there so that he could wreak further havoc in their lives. And yet there was one person that stood up for Saul. One who made all the difference in his life, and I would say centuries later, even in hours. And his name was Barnabas. So if you'll turn just a few chapters over into Acts 9. Acts 9, verse 26 through 28. And we're just going to take it a verse at a time. And when he had come to Jerusalem, this is now when he, Saul, had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. We're talking about the guy that's going to be known as Paul, the guy that we quote all the time, that we base a ton of our lives off of. They didn't believe that this guy was going to be a disciple. And then verse 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them, on how the road he had seen the Lord who had spoke to him. And how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus, that could be like a whole other sermon series, but we don't have time for that today. But he was preaching in the name of Jesus. And it's our dear brother Barnabas who's the one that stood up for Paul in his early days. Like one of the greatest Christians of all time. He was not initially received by Christians until Barnabas stepped in. And I don't think that Saul's like, hey, Barnabas, really, like, I'm the real deal, like, I'm preaching the gospel. Can you tell them? Like, tell them I'm legit. Go. Come on, Barnabas. Like, tell them. They're your friends. They believe you. She gets kind of excited, doesn't she? <laughs> I get it from my dad. <laughs> um, so, like, he's not saying, like, come on, tell them. He's sitting there. Barnabas is the one that says, he's the, it says he took and declared and brought. Took, declared, brought in verse 27. So Barnabas goes to Paul, takes him, declares, hey, guys. This is the guy speaking in the name of Jesus. Took him, brought him, and declared. None of those verbs are passive. Like you don't take and bring and declare something passively. Those are all really taking initiative. Barnabas took major initiative to show these people that he had a relationship with that respected him. Look, this guy is bringing the name of Jesus. Listen to him. Okay, so now we're in verse 28. So he, Saul again, went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Because of Barnabas' life 
and his attitude and his consistency with that encouragement, using that spiritual gift, he had significant weight to carry with the early church leaders. So much so that he brings in someone that now we can use to further the kingdom of God because of his relationship that he had with these people. What's interesting is at this point is still called Saul. But a few chapters later, the name shifts without any big ceremony, and he becomes known as Paul. Isn't it interesting that Joseph had a new name in the Lord, mm-hmm. and Saul came to have a new name in the Lord? That's kind of the way God does things. And when it came time for Paul to go around and visit churches outside of that area, around the region, he took somebody with him. Care to guess who it was? That's right, Barnabas. Henry Nowen puts it this way, a quote that I really love. Our humanity comes to its fullest bloom in giving. We become beautiful people when we give whatever we can give. A smile, a handshake, a kiss, an embrace, a kiss, laugh, haha. Okay, no. Um, an embrace, a word of love, a present, a part of our life, all of our life. Anything you can give, giving of ourselves. I could go around this room and have a slew of people tell story after story of when you've decided to give of yourself, of give of your time, or serve in a certain way, then you end up receiving way more than you even initially gave in the first place. Has anyone ever experienced that before? It's the same with encouragement, right? Like when you step out of your way to go encourage someone, you end up like receiving encouragement yourself. It's because like you're stepping into the spiritual discipline. I think of when you were cheering on that lady at the race, like if she came to you, you're the one talking about it years later in a sermon. Like, like when you go and step out of your way to encourage someone, you end up receiving encouragement. It's, it, and this isn't an introvert, extrovert thing, right? It's easy to think sometimes that some of these spiritual disciplines are just meant for certain people. But this does not mean that you have to be outgoing or extroverted to be encouraging. I was having a conversation with Dr. Lemons last week about this. And he talked about how sweet Miss Patsy is, one of the, is the most encouraging person he knows. And she has written hundreds and hundreds of encouraging notes throughout the years. Some of you have probably received these notes. I think of Devin Dixon. A little bit more quiet spoken, right? Maybe, maybe more introverted. But she is so intentional about writing encouraging notes to people. Like she sets aside a budget and knows like this, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be intentional about this. And so this isn't a, a necessarily a specific kind of person that this goes to. This can be any of us to be intentional about encouraging others. And that can be true regardless of your age, regardless of your gender. God wants, I think, all of us, regardless of whether we're extroverts or introverts or whatever, to have a a part of encouraging others around us. So, yeah, I can see it as a a spiritual discipline of sorts because for some of us it comes naturally and for others maybe a little bit more of an effort. But God clearly wants us to build each other up. One of my favorite verses along these lines is Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 29, here's what it says. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. This word benefit literally means give grace to. 
So we want to give grace to others, and we want to encourage them, encourage, to instill courage, because these are times of anxiety and uncertainty. Yes, fear, and so we need courage from the Lord. And how's that going to come? Well, it's going to come from His Word, it's going to come from His Son, from His Spirit within us, and it also comes from one another, building others up. It's such a marvelous concept. What's the opposite of that? The opposite of building up. Yes, even an Alabama fan can answer this. It's tearing down. It's tearing down. Look at this. Tearing down is easy to do. It, it can take months or years to build a building. Yes, it can. Or remodel. <laughs> Amen. It only takes a short time to tear one down. A wrecking ball or a bomb. Do you remember when they imploded the Lifeway building a few years ago? In just a matter of a few moments, that building came crashing down. Well, tearing other people down or hindering good works, that's easy to do. A person in their spirit can take months or years to get to where they are. And you can tear that down with just a word. We talked a few moments ago, Lauren, about me citing that woman uh, years ago. I still remember hurtful words that were said to me when I was in sixth grade. They don't carry weight on my life anymore, but I still remember them. And so you can tear into a person's life or you can even hinder the, the movement and working of a congregation very easily with some negative comments or complaining or discouraging words. And all of these things to me are indicative, quite honestly, if you peel the layers back, they're indicative of a critical spirit, which is absolutely the opposite of what God would have us to have and to be and to do. Proverbs 12:25 says, an anxious heart weighs a person down, but a kind word cheers them up. Anxious hearts are common. Today, perhaps more than ever, it is so important that we fight these anxious hearts with encouraging words. I'm, I'm, I'm not here to say that anxiety has not been bad in the past, but I am here to let you know that it is really heightened right now. Um, I had a friend recently post on Facebook and making acknowledgement that, like, we have students who have bullies in their pockets. Like, they are reading things and seeing things. It's not just a thing that they heard, right? They can see it written out and read it again or see a picture again. Like, anxiety is heightened, and it's hard. And now more than ever, we have to go out of our way to be encouraging. Now more than ever, as the bride of Christ, as the church, as people who are claiming Christianity, we have to fight this with positive words and go out of our way to be extremely intentional with people to build them up. I, I think of, it's so easy when we hear stories about people that need encouragement to think like, oh, I really wish I could encourage that person. Like, oh, there's that lady at your church who's going through that situation. I wish I could encourage her. But what if that lady at your church is the lady on Main Street today, your waiter or waitress? Like, I, I have so many people that often tell me, I have a friend who, Haley, who is, um, in a really life-altering situation, and, and people are constantly telling me, like, how can I encourage her? How can I encourage her? And it's amazing. People want to do those things for her. But what if, what if we thought that someone else that we walk outside and see is in a life-altering situation? 
and we treat them with that same, oh my gosh, like I just want to build you up and, and tell you that Christ is working in you, and I see that. Sure, you recently shared with me something that you've been doing well, with waiters know, and waitresses. It's, it's, it's absolutely right. Someone, and I can't even remember who it said, if you, if you assume that the people around you are going through difficulty, you're probably right. If they need encouragement, you're probably right. And so from time to time when I'm out with some of my friends um, having lunch or dinner, we'll often have prayer together. And uh, the last number of months, we'll, we'll uh, talk to the wait person, the waiter or the waitress. And we say, hey, we're about to have prayer. Is there something that we can pray for you about? And it's amazing the response to that. We're not trying to be showy about that, but we're trying to just tangibly give a word of encouragement, express God's love to that person who probably has received a lot of discouragement that day. Right. Somebody's complaining about their food or they didn't get it on time or whatever, and they're getting blasted and blasted. And here's a person that just needs a word from yeah. someone. It can make all the difference in their life. Absolutely. It's so easy. I don't know, students, if you're with me on this, but I sometimes get under the mentality of like thinking that someone older than me or an authority than me doesn't need encouragement. Like, it's been easy throughout the years to think, like, oh, well, my teacher's there to teach me. Or, like, my parents are, are in the house, but they're older than me. Like, they don't need encouragement. They have it figured out. But people in authority over you still need encouragement, too. Like, our parents still need encouragement. They are still humans that are still struggling with things. And we get in this trap sometimes of thinking that just because a person is above you in a certain way that they don't need encouragement um, or if they're older than you. And reality is a lot of people can tell um, what can speak truth to people and receive truth. But you can know in the first few moments of encountering someone um, whether that is truth or not being spoken. And so, like, what if we went out of our way to encourage and speak truth even to the people that are maybe, I don't even like over, but like older than us or teaching us in certain ways? I'd like to speak to that as we come close to wrapping up and and that is those of us that are older do need encouragement um, our our strength is fading uh, our positions in in uh, the job uh, place may be retired and and that was a thing in the past uh, so that encouragement means a lot but I also want to say that those that are younger need encouragement too our children and grandchildren are facing uh, a far different culture than we grew up in. And we may think, oh, they're spoiled. They don't know how good they've got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm telling you that our children and grandchildren need encouragement now more than ever. The anxiety level in young people is going through the roof. The suicide rate of children and teenagers is dramatically increasing how they desperately need those of us who are older to give a word of encouragement. I appreciated Dean's comments about uh, our time of prayer, that if you're wrestling a little one, consider that a prayer. Because so many times when you're in the middle of those years, you're thinking, I'm not doing anything but wrestling babies. And I'm telling you, the time will come far quicker than you realize when you will yearn for those days. And then maybe you'll be blessed to see him grow and mature like I have been and be blessed. But regardless of your stage in life, you need encouragement. So if I could, I'd like to encourage you beginning today. If you've not had the spiritual discipline of encouragement, would you, would you ask God to help you to do that? 
and maybe even today before you leave this room that you will purposely go to encourage someone and most certainly this afternoon in your home with those whom you live and interact would you give a word of encouragement never underestimate never underestimate the power of your words never underestimate the power of encouragement I have a mentor that constantly says, never doubt your influence. He says this so much. The, the first times that I encountered him, the first few months that I was around him, I thought, oh my goodness, like I get it. Never doubt your influence. You say it all the time. Like, and he like, has it written on the office that we were working in. And I was like, okay, never doubt your influence. Um, but it has stuck with me. And I hear, I hear his voice even saying it sometimes, never doubt your influence. And, and I can't help but think of Barnabas in this story because we read and study and talk for centuries the writings of Paul, that there's great chance we wouldn't even have some of these books of the Bible from Paul if it weren't for the more what would be viewed as subtle giftings of Barnabas. Like if it weren't for Barnabas being Mr. Encourager, we might not even have some of our letters from Paul, which is crazy to think about. But never doubt your influence of your giftings. Your giftings might not necessarily be writing books or doing communion thoughts, but whatever your giftings are can move and advance the kingdom forward, and it is so important to step into those. And to combine with our giftings are these spiritual disciplines. If we're stacking on with our spiritual giftings that we've been given, these spiritual disciplines of prayer and meditation and encouragement, then our influence just grows from there for the kingdom. It could have been so easy for Barnabas to be like so happy with being Mr. Encourager and be like, all right, it's my job to encourage the apostles. You guys got it. Keep going. You know, and that would have been great. But Barnabas didn't just practice the spiritual discipline of encouragement. He put it into action when he said, hey, this guy, like look at the gifts that he has. Standing up for us. Yes, standing up for someone that in that point didn't have a voice. He was speaking for someone that they didn't trust after he had built that relationship. So your giftings, regardless of what they are, can move and advance the kingdom forward. And, and we have to recognize that practicing the spiritual discipline of encouragement isn't just saying like, oh, I really like your sweater, or I love your new hair color. It's great that you're going natural. Like, it's awesome that you're going natural. That's great. I'm sure it looks great. But that's not what we're talking about, right? We're talking about like calling out spiritual truths in people of encouragement. Thank you for speaking truth over me. The way that you just spoke to your child really does impact their life. That's a beautiful thing. Thank you for practicing hospitality in a way that I saw Jesus more. Really practicing spiritual encouragement. I want to thank you for encouraging my family. Specifically my daughter. It's been a great blessing in our life and continues to be. This church has a history of encouragement. You know, the church is simply the people. It's not this building. It's the people here that for generations have been encouragers. Yes, Barnabas is one of my very favorite of all the people in the Bible. But it's not really Barnabas. It was Jesus as the source of Barnabas' encouragement. He could encourage others because he had received encouragement from the Lord. And Jesus Christ is the source of encouragement. When you know that you have eternal life in him, it does, as one person mentioned earlier, give us abundant life, fullness of life, just as Brant spoke during communion. 
And so may you hear this blessing from God through the words of Paul, encouraged by Barnabas. Words that tie distinctly with a prayer for unity, which I did not know was going to be mentioned. I attribute that to the Spirit of God. Hear the word of the Lord as written through the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 15, verse 5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. <laughs> 